You are listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe and click the bell icon on YouTube so you can get notified every Tuesday when we upload a new episode. You can also add us on Facebook and Instagram at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. But in all seriousness, welcome to episode 30, The Big Three Zero. So if you listen to this episode, you're probably wondering, how do you detox? And guess what? We will let you know. <laughs> yeah, so this is a uh, episode on how to detox, or in other words, how to not. <laughs> okay. Your liver and kidneys might have gotten that covered for you, but we'll talk more about that. So before we go into that, let's kind of talk about the new nutrition in the news. I'm not going to go into all the all of the article because we're going to link it in the show notes, but I do want to bring it up because this is not the first time I've heard about this topic. I did hear about it in, I guess, this weekly news article that the Academy puts out. Mm-hmm. And basically... The title of the article is Coffee Might Be Your Go-To Boo for Weight Loss. So it's basically um, asking, could America's favorite morning drink also help fight one of the biggest health issues, aka obesity, which I feel like that's a, that's a pretty bold statement, first off. But it does talk about a British study that came out that basically says that coffee may help stimulate the human body's brown fat, which is a heat-generating form of fat that literally burns calories in a process called thermogenesis. And so this is basically the first study that's found in humans that shows that something as little as a cup of coffee may have a direct effect on your brown fat functions, which at least when I was doing my health classes, brown fat wasn't that big of a thing. In adult humans, it was more of a thing like in hibernating mammals or maybe when you were super young and by the time you're an adult, it's supposed to not be there anymore. But I, I, that's my, yeah, that's exactly what I know about brown fat too. Right, right. And basically it's showing that it's popping up in human bodies and that First off, brown fat works in a different way than any other fat in your body, mm-hmm. and it produces heat by burning sugar and fat, mm-hmm. and often responds to cold. That's why you find it in hibernating animals. I have a quick side note. Um, bears are the the most common animal that have it, and like right. you said, cold helps stimulate it. Mm-hmm. So there are studies that suggest cryotherapy helps your body um, have more brown fat and brown fat is metabolically different than your white fat or yellow fat there's like different types as well mm-hmm. so but if if you don't if you don't have brown fat really most of us don't <clears throat> like no. most adult humans do not have much brown fat it's not significant so what is coffee stimulating then so this article didn't go too much into it um it does say that it's supposed mm-hmm. to make the fat hotter. And 
apparently they did some sort of imaging and after someone drank a cup of coffee to see if it did get hotter and apparently it did and it activated the brown fat so i don't know it could just, it have just have been that because coffee is essential nervous stimulant blood flow is increased and that increased internal body temperature maybe maybe they're still looking they're still looking at trying to figure out if it's the coffee itself or they're also they said the article said they're going to try to look at caffeine supplements to see if it's caffeine itself so i just something to keep your eye open mm -hmm. for but like like this dietitian says in an article, you really shouldn't be drinking a shit ton of coffee as a ma some sort of magic potion for weight loss because healthy eating and exercise will always be the frontier of weight of loss. Of and course. Just focus on coffee. So, but it's still something cool that I thought. I'll, uh, be, I'll be very interested to see if it is coffee or if it does have the same effect from caffeine supplements like caffeine mm -hmm. anhydrous which is just pure caffeine um as some of you may know i take a caffeine pill every single morning before i get out of my bed um, <laughs> um i i like coffee but i'm not an active coffee drinker sometimes i will have a cup of coffee after the caffeine pill um, and I usually regret it because, <laughs> because I just, I get like acid reflux and I get headaches and stuff. So mm -hmm. this caffeine pill I take is 200 milligrams and I've been taking that since like 2011 and I haven't increased my dose. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yes, it's an addiction, but no, it's not getting worse. Anyways, this will be interesting. I mean, I know right. caffeine works as a weight loss aid. In regard to decreasing your appetite and increasing your energy, making it possibly easier to find the motivation to go work out or run that extra mile or things like that. Right. Um, it doesn't necessarily make you burn more calories, just like kind of sitting there. It more so maybe just gives you the extra oomph to want to go do things that burn the calories. Right. I just I just thought this article was interesting in that one coffee may like have a fat burning effect and mm -hmm. secondly that brown fat still existed as in adult humans which I I mean that's a I, little bit of a different topic for another time I don't want to get too specific into that but right, right. something interesting that I haven't heard brought up in a long time myself um I've actually even heard I haven't done like I haven't looked at true like a lot of scientific studies on it but there's even suggestions that brown fat will range based off of where you live mm -hmm. um cold exposure has been shown to increase the activation of cold of uh, brown fat which kind of makes sense I mean the animals that have it are the hibernating animals and the reason they go into hibernation is because it gets cold so there's something there's some sort of association there right humans don't hibernate <laughs> right but anymore maybe, maybe we used to i don't know i mean um, there was the cold age way back when so humans had to I, i'm mm -hmm. assuming there's some sort of association there yeah but that's really not the case now right which, which 
if we want to take this a step further, how different is my brown fat versus the person that lives in Alaska? Exactly. You, <laughs> you and, and mine, you know, I probably don't have any, if at all. And how do you really test for that? You know, how well, do you know? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, but interesting study. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So moving, <laughs> moving on to another interesting topic, uh, detox. <laughs> oh, detox my body. Just need to just need a detox mode. <laughs> so what is a detox? This word gets thrown around on social media all the time. So before the recent kind of craze of detoxing, the word de- detox actually was a medical procedure that rid rid the body of dangerous life-threatening levels of alcohol drugs or poisons so that's the history of it that's where it started Mm -hmm. and patients undergoing this medical detoxification are usually treated in hospitals or clinics so not your uh insta model selling her fit uh tea detox (laughs) this was a medical procedure Mm -hmm. life-threatening Mm-hmm. And again, the treatment generally involves the use of drugs and other therapies in combination, like dependent on the severity of toxicity to get those things out. Mm-hmm. The detox programs that we're seeing now are usually more of a health promotion for the health conscious public. It's completely different. So these new detoxes that we see are largely like do it yourself at home detoxes of combining veggie- vegetables and powders and lemon juice and things like that yeah (laughs) and allegedly it will eliminate toxins in your body that are responsible for like a variety of symptoms so headache bloating joint pain fatigue depression detox fixes it all all of it and (laughs) these detox products are not like by prescription or medically supervised like as they originally were intended for when you had like poison Mm -hmm. toxicity. They're mostly sold at stores, spas, over the internet, from your neighborhood Insta model, things like that. (laughs) Like many of them say like, oh yeah, detox for your liver, detox for your kidneys, detox for your brain, like whatever. And, or some of them are like whole body cleansers. And today we're gonna specifically dive into detoxes and cleanses for your liver and kidneys but first but first <laughs> what are detox diets so this is an incred- incredible large selection of detox diets that we find these days and one of the most popular ones is the master cleanse diet so these dieters typically take a quart of warm salt water in the morning <laughs> consume a 60 ounce concoction of water lemon juice maple syrup and cayenne pepper throughout the day and finish finish with a cup of a nice refreshing laxative tea in the evening (laughs) so basically people that follow this diet typically recommend adhering to it for at least 10 days what is the purpose you ask it's supposed to restore energy lose weight and relieve symptoms of chronic conditions like arthritis and fibromyalgia i don't know is there evidence of the effectiveness there's actually no specific data on this particular diet in the medical literature but many studies have shown that fast and extremely low calorie diets invariably Mm -hmm. lower the body's 
basal metabolic rate as it struggles to conserve that energy. So once a dieter resumes normal eating, rapid weight gain usually follows. So if you want to refer to our yo-yo dieting episode, please feel free to do that. But much of the weight loss achieved through this diet results from fluid loss related to extremely low carb intake and frequent bowel movements or diarrhea produced by salt water and that refreshing glass of laxative tea. So when the dieter resumes a normal fluid intake, the weight is gained rather quick, very, very quickly. So, Yeah, that's only one of many. Like that one is just, and there's so many specific products out there that right. claim to detox. Um, They're out for, the, for your money. Yeah, it's just, it's very odd. And these are the risks of the, um, what is it, the master... Master master cleanse diet, Mm -hmm. but this kind of applies, the risks apply to almost all of the detox supplements and products and diets out there. So basically, it's obviously lacking protein, Mm -hmm. fatty acids, and pretty much all other essential nutrients that your body needs. And carbohydrates uh, supply all of the calories in these types of diets from either fruits or vegetables. Yes, there's nutrients in there, but it's just, you're just not like absorbing them properly because you're missing all of the other ones too. And mm-hmm. calories are extremely low. It varies from diet to diet, but it could be as low as 600 mm-hmm. and there's no protein. That's an issue. So the daily laxative regimen can cause dehydration, you know, no shocker there, uh, deplete electrolytes and impair normal bowel function. Again, no big shocker there. You're not eating actual food. So it's going to happen. Um, it will also disrupt your intestinal flora, which are the microorganisms that break down your food, part of your like your digestive functions. And a person who goes on this diet repeatedly may run the risk of developing metabolic acidosis, a disruption of the body's uh, acid-base balance, which usually results in excessive acidity in the blood. That's not good. You don't want to do that. Uh, Personally, I feel that people who detox do it quite frequently. They don't just do it once. It's like something they do over and over and over. So... But I feel so much better. Yeah, so unfortunately, severe metabolic acidosis can lead to coma and death. The end. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's not necessary. And it can get pricey. Like these detoxes can get extremely pricey. And usually it involves like a book, like a book Mm. teaching you how to detox and food items. And like some of the detox foods like, are fruits, veggies, things like that. So that doesn't get super expensive. But when you get into like the product that you're required to take from this company, it could be hundreds of dollars. All of these detox type of diets always have some sort of supplement. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. It's never just like food, really. There's always something to go along with it. So let's kind of dive into our favorite portion can a detox or a cleanse help your liver? So basically, you want to do everything you can to take an active role in your health. But if you think you need a liver de- detox, also known as a cleanse or a flush, 
you should know that there isn't much that can be done for you. Your liver is one of the largest organs in your body. The organ itself already helps remove waste products and processes very various nutrients and medicines on its own. Most people that most people think a cleanse will help their liver remove toxins better after too much alcohol or mm -hmm. or just unhealthy foods. Some hope it will actually help the liver work better on a daily basis. Many even believe it'll help treat different liver diseases. So like many detox methods, a liver cleanse has specific steps. You may have to fast or to drink only juices or other liquids for several days. You might need to eat a restricted diet or take herbal or dietary supplements usually. Some detoxes also persuade you to buy a variety of other commercial products which may contain herbs and compounds that may actually do the opposite effect of what we wanted to do for your liver. So some of these approaches may even combine all of these methods that I just talked about. So it doesn't really help your liver. Mm -hmm. So is there any proof that liver detox diets actually work? And there really isn't any scientific proof that cleanses, remove toxins, or make you any healthier. The reason detox diets may make you feel better is that they usually don't allow you to eat high processed foods. And these high processed foods normally contain fats and processed sugar. So just simply by removing those things anyways, that's probably what's making you feel better. Mm -hmm. And those foods are obviously very high in calories and low in nutrition. And detox diets can also restrict or cut out the foods that you might be allergic or sensitive to, like dairy, gluten, eggs, peanuts, things like that. So if you don't know you're allergic or sensitive and then you go on this detox that doesn't really have anything, the reason you might be feeling better is because you've removed a food you're sensitive to. It's not the actual process of cleansing. It was a specific like food, like gluten, dairy, eggs, Mm -hmm. So physicians, dietitians, and hopefully most all other health professionals will tell you that liver detoxes aren't important for your health. They're not necessary. And it really doesn't determine how well your liver actually works. There's mm -hmm. no proof, no proof that it helps get rid of toxins after you've had too much food or alcohol. Again, going back to our first statement, like detox diets were meant to treat um, like poison toxicity, but those were under medical supervision. The ones that you buy off the internet are not under medical supervision. And if you had too much poison in your body, you wouldn't be shopping for a detox diet over the internet. You'd be in the hospital. Again, there's no evidence that they fix liver damage that has already happened. And hopefully if you're considering a detox diet or cleanse, Visit your doctor prior um, to see if this is really something you should even look into. So with that fun fact, let's kind of dive into the kidneys. So mm -hmm. what about your kidneys? Can a cleanse or detox help your kidneys? Well, a kidney cleanse typically involves consuming specific foods to aid the removal of toxins and waste from the kidneys, supposedly. But here's the kicker, the kidneys already act as a natural filtration system for the body, removing waste, toxins, and excess water from the blood. The kidneys even clean, they even cleanse themselves when the body takes in enough fluid. Because why? That, that's their job in your body. <laughs> kidney, <laughs> kidney cleanses involve consuming specific foods and herbs that are supposed to help toxins from the 
help remove toxins from the body and promote better kidney health. Kidney cleansing programs mm-hmm. vary, but they typically involve consuming a restricted diet for several days, like our liver counterpart. This diet may include smoothies, juices, herbs, teas, and foods that people help that people believe help detoxify the body and improve the overall health. So do kidney cleanses work? Uh, Surprisingly enough, no, they do not work. Um, Advocates of kidney cleanses will say that certain foods, beverages, and diets will help detoxify them, but your job of your kidneys is to filter themselves. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. So (laughs) that's it. It's done. They don't work. Uh, So the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health state that there isn't any convincing evidence that detox or cleansing programs can actually remove toxins from your body or improve your health. Most people can keep their kidneys healthy by simply just staying hydrated. So drink water and eating, not soda, not water added crap, like drink plenty of water. Um, and then just eating a healthy, balanced diet. Um, some some herbs and foods that are popular in kidney cleansing programs may have properties that promote kidney health, but it's not going to detox or cleanse them. Mm-hmm. Get the hydration down first. Mm-hmm. Like water is part of the um, filtration system. And then eat a healthy, balanced diet. Do that mm-hmm. first. That's what matters. So another thing that you can do to help your kidney health without doing a kidney clean or yeah kidney cleansing diet is just reduce your sodium intake. So the body does need salt or sodium, but consuming too much, as we know, can increase your blood pressure, which increases someone's risk for kidney failure, heart disease, and stroke. So it is recommended to keep your sodium consumption under 2,300 milligrams. I believe it was 24 last year. Was it? Bring it down. Yeah, so it keeps getting lower and lower. So the current recommendation is uh, less than 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day to reduce the risk of chronic kidney disease. And I believe that's for heart disease as well. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. So reduce your sodium intake by eating less processed foods and choosing lower sodium or sodium free options. This is not new. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And we cover liver, we cover kidneys, and we can cover more. But I do want to point out that other fun detoxes include the oxygen detox, the foot detox, nasal irrigation, and intestinal cleansing. So let us know if you want us to take a deeper dive into that topic because that would be a whole new how to detox part two. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, let's kind of go over the safety of these detox. And we'll go into a nice summary about it. <laughs> so the US, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and Federal Trade Commission have taken action against several companies actually selling detox and cleansing products because they contain illegal, potentially harmless ingredients or marketed under false claims that they have treated serious diseases or in the case of medical devices used for colon cleansing and were marketed for unapproved uses. So juices that haven't been pasteurized, which a lot of um, these cleanses and detoxes call for. Yeah, they're not pasteurized. Right. And 
the fact that they haven't been pasteurized or treated in, uh, treated in other ways to help kill that harmful bacteria can make people sick, which I guess you can lose more weight because you'll be in the <laughs> hospital, but <laughs> the illnesses can be very serious in children. So please don't put your child on a detox and elderly people and those just overall weakened immune systems and drinking large quantities of juice may be risky for people with kidney disease anyways because some of the juices are high in oxalate which will just further worsen kidney problems <laughs> so <laughs> and aren't like you're the you're the you know kidney expert but aren't you supposed to like severely monitor fluids Right, right. So, so what if they're just like guzzling these these raw what? juices? Dude. Like my dialysis patients are guzzling raw juices. I'm not gonna be happy. Although yeah. if you're in CKD, chronic kidney disease, stages one, two, and three, they do recommend drinking as much fluid as possible. Okay. Uh, okay. But once you come to dialysis, that's when all the fluid gotcha. comes in. Okay, so. gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh man, which this is the problem because there's so much nutrition knowledge or not knowledge information out there and it's not applicable to everyone Mm -mm. and it's just scary. Like, like Mm -hmm. what if one of your dialysis patients read a article saying they can cure their kidneys and screw dialysis, they don't need it. And they start following one of these diets like what will happen to them um well let me tell a fun story so i have a couple of patients that like to diagnose themselves i call (laughs) sometimes i call them doctors so and so i'm not going to say the names but one of my patients from the very first time i met them i were required to ask them do you take any herbal supplements do you do whatever i mean this guy wasn't doing a detox, but nonetheless, he was doing shit on his own that he shouldn't be doing. And he's like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then he wouldn't listen to the one thing I told him to do is take a fucking binder with your meals so your phosphorus isn't too high. So that way, if your phosphorus is too high, what happens is it pulls calcium from your bones, it goes to different parts of your body, crystallizes, and that shit falls off. Guy did not listen, and you know what happened? His what? penis, ha- his penis has calciphylaxis, and that bitch is dead. Oh, <laughs> oh and he refuses to get it amputated. And I have to tell people to not shake his hand because he likes to keep his hands down there because it's less painful for him. Oh no. So don't diagnose yourself, oh. especially if you're a dialysis patient. <laughs> but I wish it shouldn't oh. be a problem. I, I know. I, I, I know. use him to kind of tell other people follow Listen. my advice. Yeah. Follow my advice. Mm-hmm. Listen to what I tell you if you don't want body parts to fall off. And if you want to get a transplant, fucking listen. But, you know, America. So that's what happened. Know, America, free speech, make your own decisions. It oh, works man. just not with that. So I mean, I'm sure that's a very extreme case. I, it happens. Um, yeah. Pretty. I want. I don't want to say frequently, but it's not unheard of. Right. Right. So. 
Yikes. Yep. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. Like, I never want anyone to go through something like that. But that's, yeah, that's exactly why you don't self-diagnose yourself. And you listen to recommendations, or at least consider. Dude, now he is telling me about the potential for alkaline water to reverse his calciphylaxis condition, which cannot be reversed. So he's still diagnosing himself, even though... And your body maintains its own pH on its own? But so... I, don't know. I didn't get into that specific because... Yeah. It anyways. So. Yeah, we have, like, our body has checks and balances, kind of mm-hmm. like a blood buffer so that we don't... Mm-hmm. you know, become too acidic or alkaline because you can die if you become <laughs> one or the other. Right. There was, you know, athletes back in the day used to uh, literally, what did they do? They would ingest something that would, would um, decrease the blood lactate because blood lactate is I more think it was baking soda baking yeah i believe it one or the other right so baking soda and baking powder is very basic Mm. and exercise byproducts are very acidic that's that lactic acid buildup and that burn that you get Mm. and they did this and they died because your body cannot become too basic or too acidic it's very there's a very small range right and your body is designed to keep it in that range so anyways <laughs> moving on so people with diabetes should follow the eating pattern recommended by their healthcare team if you have diabetes please consult your healthcare provider before making major changes in your eating habits such as going on a detox diet and also if you have dialysis as we just heard please consult with your dietitian unless you want a calcified penis which i don't think you do <laughs> This episode is not for kids. (laughs) So diets that severely strict calories or the types of foods you eat usually don't lead to lasting weight loss. We've talked about this before, and it likely doesn't provide all of the nutrients you need. Colon cleansing procedures may have some side effects, some of which can be very serious, and harmful effects are more likely in those that have gastrointestinal disease, colon surgery, kidney disease, or heart disease. And detoxification programs often include laxatives, which can cause uh, diarrhea severe enough to lead to dehydration and electrolyte imbalances. You don't want that either. And fasting can obviously cause headaches, fainting, weakness, dehydration, and hunger pains. (laughs) Why are you hungry, man? I'm detoxing right now. Leave me be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. But to sum up our episode, we do want to give a social media shout out to at the student dietitian, so underscores between the three words. And so she's tuning in all the way from Massachusetts. So she's a nutrition student, dietetic intern, and an RD to be. And she has some really good, delicious looking food pictures. So you guys Mm -hmm. want to check her out. But thank you so much. Um, We do pay attention. So if you want to be our next social media shout out, Go subscribe on our channel or follow us on uh, Instagram and like our posts and comment Mm -hmm. on it. 
So yeah. I do just want to throw in one more thing about like detox diets. Because I work with weight loss clients, I get asked a lot my opinion on detox diets. And, you know, I don't obviously get as opinionated with them as I got in this episode. I pretty much right. just tell them, you know, you are so much better off making small, tiny changes every day than a ton of changes for just one week. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Definitely. it's... That's usually yeah. the type of advice that I go for. And yeah. usually that's the type of advice that people don't like. Exactly. And it's like the most, it's like the most non-offensive advice ever. And people are like, well, that's too easy. It can't be, it can't work if it's that easy. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, story <laughs> of our lives. That's why we have job security. Exactly. Okay. okay, I think that concludes it, our that, episode. That concludes our episode this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe so you can join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Five stars, no less. On whatever platform you're listening to, or send us an email at keepingitjuicypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any topics you'd like for us to touch upon, shoot us an email. Until next time, don't do anything that I wouldn't do.